0: Hey, Chloe, should professional athletes double as political activists?
1: You know what? I don't think they should. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're so glad you're with us this morning. We're glad to be back in the studio uh, bringing you an episode about sports and politics today. Recently, athletes have been using their platforms for political activism and for speaking out about things that they feel passionately about and being silent on things they should be loud about. So it's an important topic we're diving in today. Maddie Grace, what's the roadmap for that?
0: So today, first, we're going to cover some of the history and, most importantly, the intention of sports, kind of going back to see why we even have these in our society. And then we'll go through and kind of uh, sift through some different good examples of using sports for good things and then some examples where we think athletes may have stepped out of line a little bit and left their particular field um, and gone into politics in a way they shouldn't have. So, first up, we'll kind of hit the history and how that has showed us truly what the intention of sports is in our society.
1: One of the first things we see about sports as a a large competition is the first Olympic Games in 776 BC. They were first known, they were held in the summer in Olympia, um, and they were meant to honor the Greek's most famous god, Zeus. So... Sports and and physical wellness were a huge part of the Greek culture. They felt that to be a good citizen, you had to be um, not only well-educated, but fit and ready to uh, defend your country should you be called upon. So they really enjoyed sports, and they developed that into a competition that had running, jumping, throwing, um, and boxing, wrestling, chariot racing, and other things it was an incredibly popular event. I, I even read that the Greek city-states had a hard time getting people to go to war against the Persians, to defend their country against the Persians, because everyone wanted to go see the Olympic Games that year. So um, I just thought that was such a funny thing. They loved sports so much they weren't even willing to defend their country.
0: Exactly. I mean, even at like the height of the Olympic Games there... They had at least 40,000 spectators packing the stadium. I mean, when you think about it, 40,000 is a lot for today's standards. I mean, not like a whole bunch. But when you go back to, like, ancient Greece, like, 776 BC or... That's coming from all
1: over the place.
0: That's incredible. Like, they did not have the kind of numbers we did. You have 40,000 people were packing in to watch it. I mean, this is what they look forward to all year. It was mm-hmm. their source of entertainment. It was what they rallied around. It was what unified them, yeah. which is so cool.
1: Yeah. I, they were just so uh, excited about these, these games. Um, they were held every four years. And so we see when Rome kind of takes over the scene, they ban the Olympic Games. Uh, and we don't see a resurgence of them till 1896, actually. Wow. Um, but ancient Rome had its own type of sport and they would have um, in the coliseums, they would have gladiator fights and things like that. Chariot races, um, a different kind of like a different kind of show, you know, mm-hmm. instead of showing physical prowess um, and the ability of athletes to just lay it out on the field. This is instead fighting to the death, a lot mm-hmm. more gruesome
0: which is interesting because I think in a lot of ways, especially for those elite members of that society, um, it was still very much so a form of entertainment. I think when you're looking back at ancient Greece, the whole like fighting to the death aspect of it isn't as much there as it is in Rome. But I think when you look at both kind of societies, both of them are still for entertainment. They're just kind of in two different ways, which is really interesting kind of looking at that culture. One really interesting thing kind of digging deeper into the ancient Roman world there is that one of the reasons sports were such a prevalent thing in ancient Rome is that they were used as a way to distract people from the depravity of the Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. Um, just as a way for people to take their minds off of everything that was happening so that they wouldn't get as angry or, like, maybe revolt or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It was very much so a distraction for them.
1: Yeah, they provided free entertainment. You know, the classic saying, bread and circuses. Um, that's what the people wanted. And so the government provided that for them. So I just find it fascinating. You kind of see this theme um, playing out here. This this, this type of spectator sport where, you know, you either you're watching gladiators fight to the death or you're watching the Olympic Games. This is something that people hold. Um, and this is something that people can do in their free time it's it's leisure they they sit there <clears throat> and watch these specific events happening and um, they get to just relax so we're seeing the first uh, we're seeing the first gladiator games in 264 BC and that goes on for a long time and it's not banned until Roman Emperor Honorius outlaws the gladiator games in 404 ad so that's that's a lot of years. <laughs> that's a lot of years of watching this type of sport within the Colosseum.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that I kind of want to tie together between the Greeks and the Romans um, really quickly is especially with the Romans, you had this thing to distract them, and the government was trying to distract them from everything that was going on. But I think it's cool because it almost in a way like unifies them as well. I think that's kind of one thread that I've seen with the Greek and the Romans is that they can all unify behind their love for sports and behind, um, you know, and I think we we see that nowadays whether it's not our favorite gladiator anymore but maybe our favorite football team or our (laughs) favorite baseball team or something along those lines. Um, It's a thread we've seen all throughout history of people unifying behind their favorite sports athlete or team, which is really cool, uh, really cool to see that through all these thousands of years. So it's really cool looking back at kind of, where the word sport came from. It has an interesting history. Um, It has some Latin roots that kind of transformed into Old French over time, but it comes back to a word called disport. And that just basically means to amuse yourself or do something because you want to. It all really comes back to leisure. And it's meant to be the opposite of work. Um, You're playing something or you're doing something because it's what you want to do. And it's amusing. It's, It's leisureful. And it's meant... It's interesting because what we're really especially talking about today is how sports has transformed kind of into this world of division and debate in some places. And when we're looking back at the root of the word sports and what it really means, you can see that instead of a place of division and debate, it was supposed to be it is it is supposed to be a place of amusement and entertainment and um, unity in some ways. And really, the only division that should be there is between you and another sports team fan, you know, maybe your rivals, but not bringing the um, the division and debate of the outside world, of the political world, into mm-hmm. the sports complex, onto the field, and um, in that kind of way. So it's always really interesting to look back at where these words, where these concepts came from, because you can see how the intention and the true meaning of them has been lost over time.
1: Right. You know, I think that just, yeah, completely relates back to the Romans and the sports, you know, that they were used to distract the people from the real world, what was going on in it. And and not that you forget, you know, what's going on and what matters in the world, but it's a break. It's a it's relaxing. It's it's not. Yeah. Dividing, dividing you. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's also important to note that um as we're kind of starting to transfer into a more modern take on it there are instances where we do think it is good for players and for athletes people in that realm to use their platforms for good things or to we're not we don't think it's not that they shouldn't um, be involved in anything at all sometimes controversial things will come up so we do want to examine some good examples um, of sports being used for good things but as we're doing that um, we just want to remind you that you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Fact of Life and my name is Maddie Grace Watson and I'm here with Chloe Noller talking about sports and politics. Okay so first off we kind of want to look at a rally that happened a few years ago is well I guess it's more than a few years ago now it was back in 2010 Um, so 13 years ago wow it does not feel that long but that year one. um One of the players for the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team, Albert Pujols, and the team manager at the time, Tony La Russa, they attended um, a rally called Restoring Honor, and it was held on the mall in Washington, D.C., organized by some popular radio um, places, specifically hosted um, and organized by the popular radio and television host, Glenn Beck. And the rally was very well attended. I think some estimates placed the crowd between, like, 300,000 and 500,000 people and the goals were to raise money for the families of fallen special forces soldiers and make a public expression of faith and patriotism. Uh, We were reading an article on this earlier and it was interesting because the quote in the article referencing this event said they were not the first athletes to embroil themselves in political controversy which is just like crazy to me that something like this is political controversy. Um, You know, we're looking today at athletes in politics, and to me, this just does not seem like a political issue. You know, they are going to this rally, they are honoring people, they're honoring our special forces soldiers, and, you know, showing that patriotism and faith, and people still view this as political controversy, but I think it's important whenever we're noting athletes staying out of politics that these scenarios are not what we're talking about at all. Um, You know, athletes should still be promoting things like faith and patriotism because those cross party lines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just interesting this whole discussion that we're talking about today is, it's hard because there are some instances where we've seen uh, huge advancements in uh, like civil rights, um, with Jackie Robinson being the first African-American player to play f- baseball um, professionally. And and he took stands there that were, were incredibly important and um, very radical at the time, but that were important for the rights of African-Americans in America. But it's just interesting because it's, I feel like it's so double-sided, you know? I mean, like you're talking about this this rally they attend to talk about um, and support these these families that have lost loved ones and that have been fighting for their country and you know Jackie Robinson takes a stand for literally just the right to play baseball n- not based on the color of his skin and so these are good things these are things that are worthy of our attention and I think that they're right in doing that I think it's definitely
0: important that we kind of separate you know I, I always think people athletes too should not be hesitant about standing up for their faith regardless of what that faith is you know we saw it here with Albert Pujols and Tony La Russa um going and making this public expression of their faith with this rally here and then we've seen it in other ways too um we've seen it with Sean Green who was a Jewish bra- baseball player and he refused to play on Yom Kippur so you know people maybe his fans were disappointed he didn't play that day or people were not happy about that but it's important I think in designating that there's controversial political things that should definitely stay out of sports and then there's people just simply standing up for their religious beliefs or things like that which should always be we should always be able to make that distinction
1: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, as I as I was saying, too, with, you know, Jackie Robinson and and what we're seeing here with um, Albert and Tony, like they're standing up for something that's that's right, like that's good and true and something that they firmly believe in with their whole being. You know, this is something about who they are. Um, You know, uh, Sean Green, he's Jewish and he does not believe it's right for him to play on that day, so he's not going to you know, we should be able to make those calls as individuals um, and as athletes, even though you're in the public eye. But I think also, you know, being in the public eye, it gives you a huge responsibility. You have to be so careful about the things that you do choose to support because that is, the eyes are, you know, the eyes of the world are on you when you're making those, those decisions, when you are standing up for these things. So it can be incredibly powerful when it truly is something wonderful and it can be incredibly detrimental when it's something that, um, is not good.
0: Yeah, and, um, with that, you know, it's not like we're saying, oh, like, some issues deserve to be talked about, like, oh, whenever we think you're right. Like, it's not, it's not no, a subject, we're not saying this is a subjective thing where, oh, whatever Chloe and Maddie Grace think is right, <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. what I wish stand up for stuff. It's not that at all, um you know, as we kind of transition into sometimes that athletes stepped out of their line um, in ways that we see that, you'll, you'll see kind of a distinction being made between what we're talking about. Some of these are big issues, you know, some of them. And a lot of times with the examples that we're talking about here of good examples, it's not that they're necessarily using their platform to make a political statement. It's more that they are attending things or making actions that represent their faith and represent um, what matters most to them, and it just happens to get attention because they are so um, so popular. They are a professional athlete, but you'll see with these examples that aren't necessarily um, aren't necessarily things we agree with the actions per se. That it's athletes using their platform to persuade the decisions of others, using it as a political uh, political playing piece. I think the biggest event, maybe the most popular event when looking at all of this, the one that first comes to everyone's mind was a few years ago when Colin Kaepernick refused to stand for the national anthem at a preseason NFL game.
1: Yeah, this is something, I, I mean, I know I have friends, they, I think this started A trend in football where um, there was a ton of of activism going on um, before the games, during the games, um, things that players wear now on the fields. Um, I know several friends who don't watch football anymore because of things like this, but Colin Kaepernick refused to stand for the national anthem. Um, He said, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag or a country that oppresses black people and people of color. That was Steve Weich of NFL Media, um, reporting on that story. So what we have in this instance is Colin using his, his field,
0: um, literally and figuratively, as a professional athlete to make a stance politically. And, you know, some people would say looking at this issue, oh, he was just standing up for what he saw as oppression and things like that, which uh, some would even compare to our example earlier from Jackie Robinson. Um, regardless, I think looking at that issue, it's a, it's a whole other issue in and of itself. Um, we've kind of touched on it before in other episodes, which it's just an entirely other issue, um, talking about the part of his quote that said of standing for a flag in a country that oppresses people of color. Um, but with that, you know, he's kneeling at this game, and that's making a stance. People, you know, he has followers. He, was an ath- he is an athlete, and every athlete has people, has fans that look up to them. And so in this instance, it's kind of, it, it's a tough line because depending on where you are on the political spectrum, you could use this to compare it to the examples we used earlier um, of good examples, but I think it is important to show that he is playing in the United States of America and how and kneeling for the flag is just very disrespectful it's like at that point if you don't want to honor this country if you don't want to try to make our country better like why do you still care it's it's interesting because it's like regardless of the the side any where you are on the political spectrum everyone should be and you would think everyone would be aimed at making our country a better place.
1: Yeah and it's so interesting when you see athletes who have been kneeling or um, you know not standing for the national anthem you have it on the other side too where people are making a stand and not kneeling. Um, I know that in um, the Orlando Magic's NBA basketball team Jonathan Isaac was the first player to not kneel. He Mm -hmm. stood while all of his um, all of his teammates kneeled on um, during during the national anthem and he wasn't even wearing um, the the black lives matter shirt either he just stood and honored his country um, while while the rest of his team was kneeling
0: yeah and so now all of a sudden you know you're looking at the beginning of a sports game you're no longer looking to see oh like, which of my players is playing today, or what's the game going to be? It's who's going to kneel, who's going to stand, what's happening. Um, one kind of cool thing um, about Jonathan Isaac, I'm not looking at the quote right now, but I remember the quote coming out whenever everything, all of this happened. And um, Chloe, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if you know what quote I'm about to say, but I remember an interview he did and someone asked him why he didn't kneel. And he said that the only person he kneels, kn- kneels for is, um, is God. And, um, which sounds mm-hmm. just like kind of a side note that I think is really cool. But, um, but yeah, so now all of a sudden we have something that was intended for pleasure and amusement. And now even before the game starts, the audience is looking to the players for which political statement they're going to make.
1: Yeah, it's taking the focus off of the, the sport, the art of playing, and instead, you know, making you think about these political issues. And, um, and like I said, like I know I have friends who stopped watching the NFL because of um, things like this. And it's just super sad. I, I know that football in my family is a big thing. Like we sit down together on Saturday or Sunday afternoons, and watch the games. You know, I'm an avid Seahawks fan um, because I'm from Washington and um, love those guys. So, you know, it's just fun. Like, I sit there with my my dad and brothers, and we watch the games. College football, I watch with my brother. And, um, you know, we watch Gonzaga Bulldogs in in basketball. And it's just this fun time. But when you start to have this crossover and – there becomes this um, animosity between players and teams. Um, because of this, it loses its its appeal, its magic, and mm-hmm. it it makes it something that's hard to that's hard to watch.
0: Yeah, it no longer unites people. Yeah, um, like we were talking about, going all the way back to the origin of sports with um, Greece and Rome. Despite the form that it took, it was uniting their people, and now it's just, it's prompting this culture of division. Um, not only, it's, it's letting the culture of division seep over from our political field into our realm of sports. And that's just, right. that's not okay.
1: So we have this controversy and it's been difficult to kind of unravel what we should be doing um, and what we should, how we should view this kind of political activism within athletics. We're going to talk about that and wrap it up in the second segment of our episode, just want to remind you you're listening to radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm i'm chloe Noller, and i'm here with maddie grace watson and we'll be right with you after the break welcome back to fact of life with chloe Noller and maddie grace watson you are listening to radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm Welcome to our second segment of today's episode, talking about politics and sports. What should the interplay between those two be and does politics have any place in sports? Now, during 2020, we saw this dive in in sports, obviously, because of lockdowns and things like that, um, and the safety regulations and things that were imposed because of the COVID-19 virus. Um, Sports obviously took uh, a dive, they were put on hold in a lot of places, and then when they even did get to go back. Um, there the viewership went way down. And I just I thought that was was so interesting. Uh you know, everything was put on hold. Um, I think sports was the viewership was at an all time high before COVID and then you get the lockdowns, you get sports put on hold for a second, and you would expect people to just miss that so much, you know, to miss like I remember missing football games and basketball games, like just coming on and, you know, just getting to sit there with the family and watch those. But when the sports came back you might have thought there would be this overwhelming surge but in reality in reality that wasn't what happened there was um a there was a dive in viewership people didn't want to watch and that was when we saw the rise in this political activism within sports and um i just thought that was such an interesting correlation here you have a rise in activism. With Black Lives Matter, you have a lot of football players taking a knee um, because of things like um, the BLM movement, and, you know, you get this dive in viewership. Yeah, I think, you know, during that time, 2020,
0: um, people were seeing a lot of division and just a lot of heavy things going on in real life, in the news so much happening and for centuries for you know even thousands of years people have used sports as you know kind of an escape from that Mm -hmm. a place where they could go and not have to worry about what's going on in the real world they could just for whatever it was a few minutes a few hours maybe even a few days just focus on the on whatever they were watching and really just feel relaxed and okay And now what you have is this political activism in sports. And so people can't go to sports or games, things like that. They can't watch those things to escape as a form of relaxation anymore. You know, they go there and they're seeing exactly what they're seeing on um, whatever news channel they're watching that day. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, why go watch that when you could go find your entertainment elsewhere? Because it's not entertainment anymore. It's just another channel... Whatever channel, whatever number news, like it's it's taking that away from it, and like in addition to that, I know um, my family we are big baseball fans. Um, We are big Cardinals fans specifically, but one example that kind of translates beyond just the players um, doing individual acts, but. The 2021 Major League Baseball All-Star Game was moved out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is a really interesting decision. Um, Major League Baseball made the decision to move the game of Atlanta in response to a new voting law there, which we'll kind of dive into in a second. But that's just incredibly interesting to me. You have this entire like national, well, really multinational because of Canada, corporation making this decision. To move a, like, move a game out of a city because they weren't happy with a voting law there. Like, in what world do those two things need to overlap? That's just, and when we really get into the law, um, kind of the quote by the, the, the MLB commissioner put out this quote whenever they made the decision. He said, I have decided that the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's all-star game and MLB draft. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. In 2020, MLB became the first professional sports league to join the nonpartisan civic alliance to help build a future in which everyone participates in shaping the United States. We proudly used our platform to encourage baseball fans and communities throughout our country to perform their civic duty and actively participate in the voting process. Fair access to voting continues to have our game's unwavering support. And that was by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. I, um, think,
1: I think that's so interesting because you look at what the actual ID, like the law was, yeah. and all the Georgia law did was require a photo ID in order to vote absentee by mail. Like, whoa, that's so radical. Oh, my goodness. And I love that they're saying, like, we want to encourage our baseball fans and communities throughout the country to perform their civic duty and vote. But it's interesting. They didn't have a say in that game. We see in an official Atlanta Braves baseball team statement, they said, unfortunately, businesses, employees, and fans in Georgia are the victims of this decision. You know, I think it's interesting. They're encouraging their fans to vote to participate in the civic process, and yet they didn't have a say in whether or not the game left the city. Um, Not that they could. It's a business as well, but that hurt their communities. I know a lot of people rely on this like the traffic that's coming in with these these huge games um for their businesses and their families and 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 making money i just think that that's huge um it's just such a response to a, a, a law that's guaranteeing fair elections
0: it's like in what way is this helping it's not changing the minds of any you know like, a- anybody who makes these laws, any politicians, mm-hmm. it's not affecting these people. It's not affecting them from doing their job. What it is, just like the Atlanta Braves said, is that, you know, it's affecting these businesses who won't be making the loads of cash that would have been rolling in from the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, The employees that have been wor- would have been working, whether it's local businesses or even the businesses there at the stadium. Right. And, you know, fans in Georgia. It's these people that the MLB... Is claiming to look out for and claiming to want the best for are the exact ones that they're hurting. But if you look at it, more than 1.3 million Georgia voters used the like voting by absentee, like by mail um, option. More like more than 1.3 million of them used that option during the COVID 19 pandemic. And so then this law came into place so that the Georgia, um, so that Georgia could verify that these people were actually true citizens. I mean, it, it, it mm-hmm. really, it's actually looking out for these citizens who are voting because it's making sure that there aren't any fake people out there voting or people putting fake ballots that or would dilute. Dogs, you know, yeah, dead people. Exactly. That yeah. would dilute the actual voters so it's really truly looking out for the voters by making sure that their vote vote is counted to the fullest extent but then you have the mlb here who doesn't understand how laws work who is or or they just
1: they truly don't want free elections you know i mean that's that's kind of what it comes down to i feel like and it's it's just scary that they can wield so much power and affect so many people's lives over something that's actually really good yeah absolutely And I think it's important to bring up, too, we have the NBA in collusion with China. I have an article here from ABC News. ESPN examined the investments of 40 principal owners of NBA teams and found that they collectively have more than $10 tied up in China, including one company whose owner has a joint venture with an entity that has been sanctioned by the U.S. government. I just find this absolutely fascinating that we have the NBA in collusion with um, China. I I think that the, the corruption and the, the deceit goes so far um, in these huge companies. They're making so much money. They have these incredible players that they can benefit off of. They have a huge market within China. So they do these big d- business deals within China. But they're not calling out China for its abuses, its persecutions, its um, oppression of the Chinese people. Um, and I think a specific person that is at fault here is LeBron James. Um, he ha- holds a lifetime deal valued at $1 billion with uh, Nike, which Nike uh, sells a ton of products within China. They had a 27% spike in their sales to nearly $1.7 billion. Um, and so LeBron James has this a ton of money coming in from um, the Chinese market, and um, he's an unwilling to comment on the things that are going on within China. And yet he's so willing to call out um, anything dealing with social justice in the United States. He's so willing to talk about the oppression and abuses um, within uh, within America, supporting the Black Lives uh, Matter movement, and yet talking about... Um, And yet he is unwilling to condemn the Chinese government for the abuses and oppression that have been um, oppressing the Chinese people for such a long time.
0: You know, one interesting thing that I saw um, from an article by the Western Journal is that It says that um, American coaches from three NBA training academies in China told NBA officials that the league's Chinese partners were physically abusing young players and refusing to provide education, um, despite the fact that NBA commissioner Adam Silver had said education would be central to their program. And so, you know, you kind of really see, I mean, the whole NBA tied up in all of this, but specifically LeBron James, and it just, it makes me wonder um when you get to that point where you're so avidly standing up for things you're calling oppression and discrimination and all these things in America and then you see things and you know of things that are happening in China that are that are so much worse they are always happening and you refuse to say anything because that's where you get your money from it's like what's really what matters most to you at this point and you know that applies to anyone in this situation with the information we have it it appears like that's applying to LeBron James but um it's just it's it's really concerning to look at because you have people that are claiming to just want what's best for people and want people to be free and like free from oppression but then they're selective with who where they choose to like where they choose to apply that to and who they will choose to call out for wrongs that they are seeing Mm -hmm. um it's like, where are your priorities really lying in that moment? Is it with the money or is it with the children? Like,
1: Right. No, like, absolutely. Don't claim something and then
0: not back it up completely.
1: Well, and then LeBron James also comments on free speech. Um, he told reporters um, for Fox News, he said, So just be careful what we tweet and what we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech. But there can be a lot of negatives that come with that, too. I would say, yes, that's so true. You have to be careful what you say, what you tweet, what you put out on the Internet, what you stand with and support, because um, there can be a lot of negatives that come with that. People can be harmed, um, like he's saying. And yet, um, James er, LeBron James has emerged as one of the NBA's most outspoken voices for social justice, but he opts not to weigh in on the Hong Kong protests, um, which people are fighting for. Um, fighting against communism and so it's just this it's just this two-sided thing where they're supporting one thing and yet they're unwilling to call it the very same thing in another country but there's so much money involved and it's just there's just so much corruption and it's so sad because you see people I mean like I love watching college basketball because it's like it's been uncorrupted which is not true like there's there's just so much that I think we don't even realize about a lot of the things that go on in our world. But you have true talent. You have these incredible players. You have, I mean, LeBron James is probably the greatest basketball player of all time. He's incredible. You have these incredible athletes who can do absolutely amazing things within football and basketball and baseball. God has given them incredible talent. And yet it can be so overshadowed and so so taken over by this activism, this these politics, these things, and we we lose sight of that. Football is no longer about cheering on these people who have done incredible training and work to get to the point where they are now, and instead it's talking about this this activism and these politics, which rightly are a thing we need to be talking about, but when it comes to the point of distracting, and also, you know, we see with LeBron James and the NBA, like, when it comes to the point of, Um, hypocrisy where you're condemning one thing but not the other it's just I have a hard time with that
0: Mm -hmm. the most heartbreaking thing for me is seeing these athletes who are incredible at their sport have amazing talent they've worked hard for years and years Mm -hmm. and I want to like I want to be fans of them so bad I want to watch it Mm -hmm. and then they just get so outspoken about politics so much so that it kind of Pollutes over into their career that I just I can't anymore I know one of the most heartbreaking things for me um so like I've grown up playing soccer and I used to love watching the U.S. women's national team play um I've been to one of their games I have some jerseys like I loved watching it I had my favorite player at the time was Alex Morgan um My favorite number was 13 because of her, like, I love watching it. And then, you know, you see the U.S. women's national team um, just get very start getting very political. And I know um, there was some controversy around kind of pay things. But the biggest one to me was in 2019 when Megan Rapinoe, one of the captains, refused to go to the White House when the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup um, because of President Trump, because uh, Donald Trump was our president and that was just kind of like that was one of the things that kind of um ruined it for me. That's whenever it kind of all I just like I don't I don't watch the US women's national team anymore cuz it's just so frustrating now, but that is just almost appalling to me because I'm not I mean I understand. There are very there are very many people who aren't the biggest fan of President Trump and it's not even like I'm asking everyone like like I'm not I don't even think it's necessary like that every single person on the women's national team be a an avid supporter of president trump and everything he said or did or anything like that it has nothing to do with what anyone ever thought about his policies mm-hmm. but simply the fact that he was the president of the united states right. and you have this athlete refusing to go because she doesn't like him like that is just so childish and just like the like so like not classy that it's ridiculous
1: it's true. I mean, this is, this is the, you know, the ruler of the free world, you know, like, this is the president of the United States who has, wants to honor this team with coming to the White House, coming to the place where um great things happen, and, and she just is unwilling to go. I mean, it's just such a hard balance. I mean, you know, you, you want to stand up for what you believe in, you know, you want to attend those And, you know, I think it's interesting to point out, too, like when we're talking about, you know, the previous guys um, who went to the rally for the um, the soldiers who have died, you know, they are they're stepping out of the field. They're going somewhere. They're doing they're going to a rally. um, It's not on the field. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. they're not supporting that within the confines of the stadium they're going out and doing that in their personal lives which honestly I have no big deal with like if Same. You, if in your personal life you you know you want to go support China communist China like do it but <laughs> don't don't involve that with sports you know i mean if you you have that right we have free speech you know you mm-hmm. have that right to go and fight up fight for what you believe in and speak up about the things that you find wrong i mean that's what we do here in our podcast but but i think it, it what what is your what's your goal when you have it within with on the stadium on the field like what's actually going on there you know
0: yeah what it all boils down to is sure everyone has the right to advocate or go to whatever they want to when it comes to their personal life but whenever your professional career is something that is like professional um famous broadcast nationally and your job is to be a source of entertainment and a source of escape for people to just enjoy and come together and you're using that to perpetuate a community of division and debate you are not doing your job you are stepping out of line and it's just absolutely ridiculous and so that's we're it's not that people should be silenced, it's not that people shouldn't use their personal lives to stand up for what they believe in, but it's whenever it's bleeding onto the field here with Colin Kaepernick literally kneeling on the field, Megan Rapino re- refusing to go to the White House for her soccer team, you know, um, mm-hmm. LeBron James and his money from playing basketball. It's it's all these things where they're using their their job to do the job of someone else to they're letting their personal life bleed over into that, which is ruining it for literally everyone else.
1: Right. I think it's just it's so interesting, too. I mean, with the, the action of kneeling on a field in in this arena, it's it's not honoring the sacrifices of the men and women who have died to make this country free so that you do have the right to speak up for what you believe in. You know, like, you have the right to say that, to do what you... You want in your personal life because the men and women, ha- men and women have died, giving their lives for our freedom, and that's that's important to remember. We have to honor, um, we have to honor each other, honor sacrifices that other people have made, and and remember that we're all broken and we all have we all have things going on in our lives and we're all messed up, but we can have grace for each other and we can have constructive conversations. And we can speak out of, of for things we believe in um, in good contexts, not using things for our own advantage. Um, there, there. I feel like there's just better ways for them to be, you know, uh, supporting the things that they support.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, our our takes today have been interesting, and maybe our takes today have been a little controversial themselves. But we definitely want to continue those conversations. Um, you know, you know what? Maybe our sports realm will revert back to what it was intended to someday, and I hope so because there's nothing quite like rallying around mm-hmm. your favorite sports team or sitting around the TV with your family so true. Um, cheering on your favorite players. But um, thank you guys so much for listening today. Just a reminder, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Uh, this is Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. Make sure you go give us a follow on Instagram at Podcast, And make sure if you have any questions or just want to reach out, maybe be on the episode or there's something we want to talk about, email us at factoflifepodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts and even on the radio station's transistor pages, please uh, reach out to us there. So make sure you reach out to us um, if you have any questions or just want us to talk about something specific. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today.
1: Thank you. As always, my name is Chloe Noller,
0: And I'm Maddie Grace Watson. And And we approve of this message.